we, we, we sing about this freedom and it's real. It's uh, freedom from anger. It's freedom from resentment. It's freedom from hating the bastard. <laughs> it's freedom from taking offense. It's freedom from nursing our injuries. It's freedom from poor Mimi. It's the supernatural grace of freedom. It's real. Not a theory. It's an experience. And we sing to God's glory in that. God speaks to us today from the prophet Haggai who lived 520 years before Jesus was born. In a time when the Israelites had come back from the Babylonian exile. And they were in a bad state again. They'd been back about 20 years. Under Nehemiah, the foundation had been laid of the temple. But the Samaritans had come down and discouraged them, and you know the story. And the temple had not been touched for 16 years. Now, our job today is to hear God speak to us today with a now word that's relevant to our lives from a, a word that God gave to some people 2,500 years ago. We're going to score through the entire prophecy of Haggai. All 45 chapters of it. And, 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 and I think there's only two, but there's not some bad. Chapter 1 describes the frustration, disappointment, disillusionment, the financial recession, because God's people did not seek first the kingdom of God. There's a theme that goes through the Haggai prophecy. Consider your ways, consider your ways, consider your ways. And it's saying, look, what's the profit? Is there any profit in it? And there's an an account here, as we see, uh, you have sown much and bring in little, you eat but do not have enough, you drink but are not filled with drink, you clothe yourselves but no one is warm, and he who earns wages earns wages to put them into a bag with holes. We can understand that. So obviously, the devil's been at it. Wrong! God said, I blew it away. God takes total responsibility for the situation of the Israeli people who are his special people. And then he gives them a command. 
Did we have something up on the radio? No, no, gosh. Uh, He says, go up to the mountain and bring wood and build. Now, the mountain for us, for them, it was a it was a place where the cedars grow, so they needed wood for the temple. But for us, the mountain right throughout Scripture is the place of revelation. Hermon and Sinai and olives and whatever. It's the place of revelation. Go up to the mountain to the place of revelation, to the place of listening to God. It's not a place of telling God, it's a place of listening to God. My sheep hear my voice. And bring wood. Well, the wood then was for the beams. But the wood for us in biblical typology is humanity. The the boarding of the tabernacle was wooden boards overclothed with gold. The gold being the deity. And therefore the tabernacle, the temple was to reflect God's glory and nothing, nothing, nothing to do with human design or effort yet involving the human presence underneath. Uh, Of course, we can't think of wood except for the cross, where the humanity of Jesus was made sin for us, that we might be made the righteousness of God. Build a temple means put God first. Because we are the temple, the temple is no longer a building except the building of the church, which is living stones. Seek first the kingdom. And the glory and the wonder and the tragedy of the the story of Haggai is that they, uh, they heard the word of the Lord and said, yes, we'll do it, leave it to us, we'll do it, yes, we'll do it, we'll do it. And they did, because um, in due course, they actually finished the building in four years, which is remarkable. And in, in, in chapter 1, verse 13, the Lord gives them a word of reassurance. I blew it away, but I am with you. I'm, I'm with you even though you stuff it up. You always do, but I'm, I'm with you. And, and then we, we read that God stirred up the spirit of the governor and Joshua the high priest and the people. He stirred the spirit of the people. And I have a sense God's been stirring the hearts of this congregation and, and, and people wider around. I think they've been stirring up at the weekend up in, in Johannesburg. You just remember the days that 
There were notices up on the boardings. Come to us on Friday night at 7 o'clock. We're going to have a revival. It is only God who can revive God's people. On his terms, in his place, by his spirit, in his way. And normally when he does it, I disapprove strongly because he doesn't use the people I think he should use. God stirred up the people. And he stirred up top down. He took, stirred up the governor and the high priest and the people. And they were stirred up and they got to work. Wow, that was wonderful. And, and you know, there was a hiccup, but uh, in, in Israel we, we hear that the prophetic ministry was very effective. That the temple was completed by the prophecies of Haggai and Zechariah. So the, the, the prophetic word had effect in the lives and the, uh, the work of the people. Uh, uh, over the four-year period, we'll see just now who was really responsible for that because there was a, there was a hiccup again. You remember <laughs> Ezra? Do you, do you remember the story in Ezra where they laid the foundation of problems? Some people saw in Ezra and they saw how pathetic uh, the new foundations were compared with the glory of Solomon's temple. And some wept and some rejoiced. And, and we heard the prophet from, from our, our, our local prophet here, Lombard, Barry, he, he told us about the Lord saying we ought to sweep with new brooms. Here they are. Uh, uh, you see, we were told last week that we were sweeping with old brooms. We were clearing the temple with these grotty old brooms which left a lot of dirt behind. And I mean, there was an issue of racism and an issue of this, that, and the other. Uh, and, and the word uh, through uh, Prophet Lombard was sweep with new brooms. New brooms. And there it was in Ezra, they were sweeping with old brooms. Do you remember Solomon's temple? Do you remember the copper shop? Some people here tell me how great the copper shop was. Oh, I know what was the great shop. Never mind. Back with Haggai. The Lord encourages his people. To be strong. Do not fear. Where did it say that? You read it up. It says that somewhere. Oh, gosh. Someone reading the Bible. You know, you now, yep, now be strong, Zerubbabel, says the Lord Jesus. Be strong, Joshua, son of Jehozadak, the high priest. Be strong, all you people of the land, says the Lord. And work, for I am with you. And if I'm not with you, don't. Everything's all right, apparently. Then he says some interesting stuff. He says, God's committed to his covenant. He's not with them and, and, and blessing them because 
they've done well. He's covenanted. He can't help it. I mean, they stuff it up again, even when they're working with great zeal. But God can't help himself. He's addicted to his people. It says here, he's going to shake the nations. Well, can we relate to that? I mean, if there were a shaking going on, we would be able to take notice. Shake the nations. Shake the economy. Shake the environment. Be meteorologically. Shake the nations. And, and, he, and he then says something very, very strange. It's very difficult to work out. He says, I will shake the nations and they shall come to the desire of all nations. They shall come to the desire of all nations. And, and, and the scholars, they've got different views. They always do on, on these things. But uh, they apparently say the desire of all nations is Jesus. It's one of his titles. You ask me, the last thing the nations desire is Jesus. But this is a prophetic word of God. One day it will happen. So Some people say, well, they're not really after Jesus. They're after the gold and silver, which God says is his. He says, the gold and silver is mine. It's there in the book. So in chasing the gold and silver, they actually come to Jesus, who owns it. So as a result of shaking, sooner or later, down the line... I see a millennial prophecy here. All the nations, it says, all the nations will come to the sovereign government of Almighty God. And he's shaking us. It runs through Scripture, picks up again in Hebrews. God lets everything settle down and he shakes things up. And, and we can take this into our own lives. I think all of us have known times of shaking. Well, we've been shook up. I'm all shook up. There's a wonderful promise in Haggai 2 and verse... Nine. It's going to be better. New broom. Sweep with a new broom. And the new temple is going to have more glory than the old. And the temple is us. We are yet to come to our day of glory. When God's finished with us, it'll be better than he started with. The temple of God that God is building is going to have more glory. Us. I mean, this beautiful building is not the point. We are the living stones. And as Alan has ministered on frequent occasions, we are glorious and yet to be more glorious. And the glory at the moment is well hidden. Look around. It's very well hidden. No, 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 no. But uh, it's, uh, it's going to be expressed it's a good promise 
I mean, the people of the Lord have stuffed up again and again and again, and he keeps on saying, I'm with you, be strong, I bless you, do not fear. You can go up to Dorothy, you can slap on the face, you can stamp on it, and she says, praise the Lord. She, they, were, they were attacked in their house, and Dorothy ministered to the thugs while they were beating her up. Praise the Lord. Hmm. Oh. The glory of the latter house would be greater than the glory of the former. Now, the Lord wants us to hear this word that was given to the prophet Haggai, to the people of Israel, 520 years before Jesus was born. He wants us to receive it now. For in, uh, uh, each one of us, may we receive this word. May we receive it in our hearts. Say, Lord, I hear your word and I receive your word. I'm trusting you to embody your word in my testimony. I shall yet be glorious for you. It's a good word. It's good news. There's, there's a lot of rather depressing news in here for all my efforts, my zeal, my leave it to me, God, I'll sort out your kingdom, or everything that is wooden. But when it's overlaid with the glory of God, when the wood is covered by the revelation of the mountain, then we find ourselves moving. And all that we do has God. That grace about it, that transforms us inwardly and radiates us outwardly. It's for us. It's for us. The Word made flesh. It's a good word. Hang on, it's right up to date. But there seems to have been another hiccup. I mean, there he is, a glory in, in, in chapter 2. Thus says the Lord of hosts, now ask the priests concerning the law. There's a whole check about holiness and whether it's whether holiness can be contaminated or spread or and all that stuff from verses 12 through. And in 17, he says, I struck you with blight. After all these wonderful promises, I'm with you, be strong on glory of the latter house. He says, I struck you with blight. I mean, you'd think here God would go off in a half and say, you'll give up on you lot. So verse 18, consider now from this day forward, from the 24th day of the ninth month, from the day of the foundation of the Lord's temple, was laid, consider it, is the seed still in the barn? No, as yet the vine, the fig tree, the pomegranate, the olive tree have not yielded. No, the Lord struck it all. But, but, I think, Alan was reading from but earlier in Ephesians 2. But God. But God, who is rich in mercy, but God. And, and, and some of us are, um, are aware of the most terribly evil, wicked things that are going on in various dimensions, people's lives and in ministry contexts. But God. 
And the worse the crisis, the worse the collapse. The Lord enjoys it more. And we've heard the reference in worship, I think, to the Lord sleeping in the storm. There are going to be storms. Don't blame the devil. The Lord's bringing the storm. And as has been expressed already in worship hymns, oh, blow and blow. Ride the storm. And the Lord says, well, I'm going to bless you anyhow. I haven't got any reason to bless you on the basis of your work. But I just can't help. I'm going to bless you. That's what we've been singing about. God's going to, he says, I'm going to bless you. Let's receive that. I receive your blessing, Lord. Not on the grounds of anything I have done or anything I have. I receive your blessing because you said so. One of my favorite prayers is the prayer of uh, Jabez. Is that right? Jabez. The prayer of Jabez. It's in Chronicles. And Jabez, there's a whole list of names, these strange Hebrew names. And, and, and there's an extra verse that comes in. And Jabez says, I want you to bless me. And God did. He said, I want you to bless me. I want you to extend my borders. I want you to be with me. I want you to protect me from evil. And God blessed him. I, I asked the Lord every day. I said, Lord, I want the blessing that you gave on Jabez. Me. Me. And God didn't say to Jabez, why should I? Jabez asked. And God answered. God's in a blessing mode. But God persists, driven by his mercy and grace. He says he will bless his people anyway because he loves them. It's not a performance-based relationship. It's not a performance-based relationship. It's not on the basis of passing tests. It is a work-based relationship. It's God's work. It's God's performance. And in spite of all their manifold failings, they come to the end. Again the word of the Lord came to Haggai. Uh, apparently Haggai speaks. He speaks over a period of four months. He gives four prophetic words, and this is the last one. Again, the word of the Lord came to Haggai on the 24th day of the month, saying to a Zerubbabel governor, interesting, the word of the prophet comes to the governmental side, the world side, and the spiritual side, the priestly side. Two dimensions are recognized here. Well, in which the word of the Lord speaks. 
I will shake heaven and earth. I will overthrow the throne of kingdoms. I will destroy the strength of the Gentile kingdoms. Watch it, I saw. I will overthrow the chariots and those who ride in them. The horses and their riders shall come down, every one by the sword of his brother. And, and I, I was threatened at one time by this whole Islamic uh, international invasion. And, and I saw what the Lord says, a nation divided itself cannot stand. So Islam is busy cutting its throat. And so the end of Haggai, we have the revelation of God who is good to us. Anyway. You know, my mother Teresa said, you know, praise God anyway. When the wheels fall off and the geezer bursts and Car breaks up. Praise God anyway. So let's read it. Haggai chapter 2, verse 23. In that day, says the Lord, let's make it today. I will take you, Sarepta, my servant, the son of Shealtiel, says the Lord. And I will make you like a signet ring. For I have chosen you, says the Lord God. We're a chosen people. There's a measure in which we choose Jesus. But Jesus says, you didn't choose me, I chose you. To be chosen. At school I was never chosen. You know, when teams were picked, I was always the last one. It was a terrible experience. I'm chosen of God. Now, a signet ring is the equivalent of a credit card plus the authority of the government. So when you're stopped by the cops and you have the Lord's signet ring, you just share Sorry, sir. Carry on, carry on. Stop, pass on, pass on. Let's receive the signet ring of God. It's authority. It's credit. Can you receive that? And put the stamp of God's signet ring on all your accounts. The word of the Lord. It happens. I've experienced it. Plonk. I mean, just in, in a... Uh, I'm not sure we've told you this story, but Jane was uh, in a spa. She'd run up, and she'd got the um, groceries, and she'd run up and count 700 rand. That's easy. That's easy. And then and she reached in the pocket and she hadn't got her wallet. I gave him my card and the card came up insufficient. Oh. <laughs> 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 
Well, a sister came up and greeted her. How are you? Hello, hello. Hi, oh, bless you. And Jane, being who she is, said, well, I actually can't pay my account. And the sister said, that's not a problem. And put 700 rand cash down. Bonk. Well, Jane, I met Jane because I was on another thing, and, and she told me about this, and I met this particular sister, who, who's a missionary's wife. And I said, thank you for helping Jane. Here it is, I happen to have cash on me, and she refused. She absolutely refused to receive it. And I was sharing with a concert of prayer, and someone said, don't rob her of her blessing. But being a man of devious thought, I thought, I'll get this from her. So I arranged for some funds that I can't be put into her mission fund. I got her. I upped it a wee bit. Next day, next day, a thousand rand rocks up in my account from there again. <laughs> Signet ring. Signet ring. I mean, I, I've, I, I am a Brexit supporter in terms of the English story, but that doesn't help us because we've got two very small pensions from England which are not so small when multiplied by 20. Well, and so Brexit meant the pound would plunge. And the news said the pound was plunged, and I saw my income just Ah, that's wearing the signet ring. It bounced back. It's back up to just under 20. 19 point something. The signet ring. If in our hearts we can allow the Lord to put his signet ring, and the two dimensions of authority and provision. And the worse things are, the better things are. As long as we don't try to fix it. Don't try to fix it. See if you could hear this. It comes from 2,500 years ago. In that day, June third, July the third, two thousand sixteen, says the Lord, I will take you, Zerubbabel, my servant, son of Shelton, says the Lord, and will make you like a signet ring. I'll give you a signet ring. I'll make you like a signet ring. You're going to walk in the authority of God, in the provision of God. And and this sister, this missionary sister was walking in the authority of God. Here's my sister, can't pay her bills. There's no problem, I'll pay them. The giving, splashing around, not counting. Signaling. We are today reaffirming, sweeping with new rooms, with new perspectives, not living by the evidence of sight and touch, and philosophy and calculation, living by the revelation from the mountaintop, how God sees us. Yeah, 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 yeah.
Now, now Jane was really taken up by old Nick and new Nick. Um, right? Old Nick was, we know he is, and new Nick is Nicodemus. Remember a wonderful ministry we had last week of Nicodemus. And she's, she's got another insight here about hear no evil, see no evil, speak no evil. Remember that. Jane, could you, could you help us here? Uh, also, uh, also, if you look at uh, these two, they come from a magazine called The City. And up here, you have a reflection of the city of God. Now, there are two cities. There's a city of God and the city of man. And the currency in the city of God is faith. And the currency in the city of man is philosophy and the head. Don't get the head mixed up with the city of God, the currency of the city of God. So there are two things there for you to look at where Jonathan has challenged the old broom, which happened to be John Calvin, never mind, and the new broom, Jonathan Leach. Um, (laughs) This is a a picture of the ministry from Costa Mitchell about being downpipes. If you remember all Costa's uh, ministry on the downpipes. From the mountain. And then... uh, what Jonathan wants me to explain is here is, you may pick it up, hear no evil, see no evil, speak no evil, which in the new, when we say come Holy Spirit and living flame, the new interpretation of that is open my eyes to see the revealed things of God, my ears to hear the now word, open my mouth to speak the prophetic word of God. So that's the new broom of that old symbolic um, Eastern thing. So do browse this. I've left a whole lot of space here for you to write what you want to sweep clean from the old that you want to use the new. This will be up for several weeks, so no hurry. Um, As for me and John Calvin... (laughs) Trouble with Jane, she she reads heavy theology at three in the morning. Can you believe it? Well, I mean, she quoted at me without telling the author. So, you know, and I said that's nonsense because what Calvin says, all men should be honored because they're made in the image of God. That's rubbish. We're not made in the image of God. If we were made in the image of God, we wouldn't die. There was a thing called the fall. Adam and Eve were made in the image of God. They lost it. They're sent out of the garden. And Cain slew Abel and nothing's changed. Beloved, we are remade in the image of God. Through rebirth, we are recreated. Yes, we carry that image in our spirit and we are being transformed in our soul. One day I even know the rickety old bodies will yet be glorious. Matthew 13. <laughs> All right. All right. Okie doke. Well, I went to the early morning prayer meeting. I thought I'd get in there for the amen and hope to get a muffin. No. 
I barely got the amen and there were no muffins, so I think <laughs> we better uh, call it a day. But uh, as we disperse, if you feel you need that word of the latter house having more glory than the former house, if, if you need that word of I will bless you, I will be with you, be strong, if you need what has been expressed here this morning to, to be embodied and possessed, if you want to say, yes, I am the signet ring of God's authority and provision, let's have a little prayer together. And those who pray, come and pray. Amen. Amen.